Let us pray. Lord, as we gather as your children, we are one. We are one with one another. We are one with you. So Lord, as we gather here, in this place, in this time, in your presence, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. This past week, there were two public meetings where Dr. Edward McCulloch shared the findings of research he's been doing for roughly the last two years. And the research he's been doing is on the people and the places of the north side. Now, we already know some things. We already know that we lead the province in drug and alcohol problems here on the north side. Sydney Mines, Florence, North Sydney. We, we know this. The provincial numbers tell us we already lead the province in these areas. We already know that over 40% of families live in some sort of trauma-inducing situation. The provincial numbers tell us this. We already know, because the province tells us, we already know that more than one in three children live in poverty on the north side. We know all these things already. But Ed gave us more, much more. Depressingly more. He told us roughly 85% of people are impacted by drug and alcohol, whether it's themselves or someone who is close to them. 85%. That is a huge and incredibly unhealthy number. He told us that people from the ages of 20 to 50 are living with a dangerously low lack of hope. And when you look at people who live in poverty, they have little to no hope on the north side. We also learned people are lonely. 29% of young people report that they have low or very few social connections. They have no friends. 29%, they are lonely. They don't feel close to anyone. We also learned that 33%, 33% of young people feel like they don't have enough to get by. We're also at least, at least double the provincial rate for people who report drug or alcohol problems for themselves. At least double. This is a huge problem from people in their 20s to 40s where they are more than three times the provincial rate for drug and alcohol problems. And when you break it down even more, you learn that Sydney Mines leads the way. Now when you wrap all this together and you dig a little bit deeper, you find out that over half of our population on the north side does not trust anyone, or does not trust people in general. And again, Sydney Mines leads the way here for lack of trust. 59% of people in Sydney Mines report having low or no trust of others. In fact, you can also, we also learned over half of the population on the north side report being afraid of someone or people. These numbers, they're depressing for sure. They tell us that things are far worse than we imagined. 
Yeah, we know there's drug and alcohol and poverty problems on the north side. We know this. But how do you help people when they have no hope, when they're afraid, when they don't trust anyone? How do you help them? Well, we're going to park that for a moment and maybe come back to it a little bit later. When I looked around at the meetings, I was the only pastor there. And when I looked around at the faces that I knew, there was very little church representation at these meetings either. As far as identifiable Christians in the group, um, most of us were from Carmen. So thank you so much for coming out and learning these things. Uh, I was the only one who who stepped in the microphone to offer a perspective that was reflective of a life of faith. Now other people spoke and they spoke, about wonderf- they spoke wonderfully and, and, and with great wisdom and thoughts. But I was the only one who spoke from a position of responding from a place of faith. From responding as a church. Now the timing for these presentations kind of came, it was a little fortuitous for us. Because we're looking at following Jesus these last few weeks, right? We've looked at coming to know Jesus. We've looked at following Jesus. We've looked at being loved by Jesus. And today for our last talk on following Jesus, we're going to talk about healing, letting Jesus heal us. Now, when we turn to a reading from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9, Jesus performs two two miraculous healings in that short passage. Of course, this is just two of many he did that was recorded in the Bible. Now, the first one is, is a little condensed of a story we may know better from Mark chapter 5. It's the story of the bleeding woman. And she sneaks up to Jesus in the crowd. She's been bleeding for 12 years. No one's been able to help her. And she thinks to herself, if I can just touch his cloak, I will be made well. And she gets close enough and she just lightly brushes his clothes and the bleeding stops immediately. And Jesus turns to her and says, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now, this, story, this little healing story comes in the midst of a bigger story. A ruler has come to Jesus. Someone important in the community has come to Jesus and said, My daughter has died. You need to come. And so as they're making their way to the ruler's house, That's where the woman, the bleeding woman, comes in and gets healed. And so they arrive at the house, and because this person is a ruler, they're important in the community, the house is full of people in mourning. And Jesus goes up to them and says, get out, she's only sleeping. And they know this is not to be true. They know she's dead. In fact, they're laughing at Jesus for believing she's only sleeping as they leave the house. And after they leave the house, Jesus goes to the room where she's lying, takes her by the hand, stands her up, and walks out with her. She is alive. He heals her, brings her back to life. So in that short passage, we have a bleeding woman who is healed. For 12 years, no one could help her. No doctors, no one could help her stop her bleeding. And just by simply touching the clothes of Jesus, she is healed. Someone's daughter has died, a young girl. And Jesus goes to her, takes her by the hand, stands her up and brings her back to life and walks out of that house with her. 
When we read these kinds of stories in the Bible, they seem foreign to us. We don't quite know what to think. They're beautiful stories. But when we think about what God is doing today, we don't see these things. We struggle with them. Because we all know people who doctors have told there's nothing else they can do. We all know people that we have prayed for and nothing has happened. We all know people who've been living in pain or something who have wished it to go away and nothing has happened. We all know people like that. We don't see answers to these prayers, so we assume that maybe God is out of the healing business. In March of 2019, Bev and I flew to Manitoba for a weekend retreat. And to learn a bit more about this church renewal thing I've been involved with for a few years, to see what we can bring back to Cape Breton. On Saturday morning, we had started on Friday, and Saturday morning I was sitting in the, in the seats, trying to pay attention to the speaker, but my neck was so sore, so stiff, I could only sit like this. I couldn't lift my head this far to, see what, to watch the speaker and see what he was saying. So I'm in great discomfort sitting through this morning, but a little bit later on in the morning, there was a time for, to pray for people, to, to pray specifically for healing for people. And so we went into small groups, and there was a chair in the middle, and people gathered around the chair, and someone would sit down and, and share what they were struggling with, and we would lay our hands on them, and we would pray. And we prayed for a couple of people, and then the chair sat there empty. We still had time, so I sat down with my head down because I couldn't lift it. I told them what was going on with my body. And they laid their hands on me and they prayed. As they were praying, I could feel the pain and the tension drain from my neck. And actually settled down just below my shoulder blade. It wasn't pain, but it was kind of like a little, one of those little knots you get. And I could live with that because I could lift my head. I could turn it. I was in no pain for the rest of the weekend. As... Um, so I could finally pay full attention to what was going on. The pain was gone. The summer before that, a friend of mine in the valley was having a midweek service. And we were on vacation in the area, so we thought we would go check it out. It'd be nice to have a little midweek service. It'd be a good chance to see my friend and do a little catching up. And so we went. It turns out this was a healing service, and it was being led by a church from another community who had come in to offer this healing service to, to the town. That summer, Bev was experiencing some pain in her ear. It was keeping her up at night. She was keeping her from fully enjoying our vacation. So at the end of the service, at the invitation of the people, she went forward to be prayed for. Now, a couple of people were praying for her. They put their hand, I was watching from a distance, they put their hand on her ear and prayed and stopped and I could see them ask, you know, how's it feeling? Bev, Bev shook her head, no, nothing. And then he did it again, he put a hand on her ear, prayed for her, no, sorry, nothing. So that was it. She came to me and said, oh, well, it didn't work tonight. And then we made our way back to the cottage. That night, Bev woke up and she thought, something's wrong. Something's not right. And then she realized the pain was gone. The pain from her ear was gone. Some hours later. Now these are just our personal stories of receiving healing 
whether in the moment of prayer or sometime after. And I know some of you have your own stories of healing prayer, but I'm not going to share those stories because they're your stories. They're your stories to share. But I know that there are people in this room today who have experienced healing prayer. I've also heard stories, practically unbelievable stories, of people being healed in prayer. I'm not an eyewitness to these, but I've talked with people who were. Incredible stories, miraculous stories, stories on par with what Jesus does in the Bible. Life-changing, visible, in the moment, changes in bodies of healing. God can do absolutely amazing things. Now, at the same time, not all healing we receive is physical healing. It's not all physical healing. Some of it's spiritual, relational with others, emotional healing. There are many ways in which we can experience healing in prayer. And I firmly believe that God still heals today, not just from my own experiences, but from what others have told me from their own experiences. I should point out, too, that my neck since then has not been a problem. I had experienced it a number of times before, usually when I travel, you know, strange beds and all that. But the only time I feel that kind of pain in my neck anymore is when I sit there and spend too, too much time on my phone in just bad posture, not taking care of myself. But God's done other healing for me as well. Not just the physical. He's changed, he's healed relationships in my life. He's changed the way I think about some things. He's changed how I act and react in certain situations. And every single one of them, I, I, I claim to be a miracle because there's no way without the Lord's help I would have ever changed those things. I know it. Now I saved the topic of healing to the last of this series on following Jesus on purpose. And part of that is because of what we read in John chapter 14, starting at verse 12. And here Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, Jesus says. Now this doesn't mean Jesus is our wishing well or he's our genie in a bottle. There's a key to this, and the key is in verse 12, where Jesus says, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And then we can turn to 1 John chapter 5, and we read this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So to summarize, to those of you who believe, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now the big question is, how do we know the will of God? Well, we don't. We don't know ultimately what God has in store for all of this creation he has, he has made. We only know like a, a fraction of a sliver of his plan. We don't even fully understand his plan for us. But we're told if we pray according to his will, he hears us. So how do we know if we're praying according to his will? 
Well, we usually find out after the fact because something has happened, either while we're praying or sometime after. We, we pray and then we learn if we're in, in alignment with his will or not. One night I got a phone call. It was, I had to go to someone's home. The person living there was dying. They were in their 80s. And her family asked if I would come and pray for her. Her sister was a nurse and said, she doesn't have much time. And so off I went. So I went to the home, and they took me to the bedroom where she was lying down. And I've been to enough palliative care wards to know when I, as soon as I walked in that this woman did not have much time left. If she didn't die in the hour or so I was going to be there, she would not see sunrise. I was, I've seen this too many times. So I prayed for her. I prayed God would watch over her, he would protect her, he would watch over and protect her family. I prayed that God's will would be done. And then after a while I went home. Now the next morning I got up and I was waiting for the phone call. Nothing. That afternoon, that evening, no phone calls. The next day, still no phone calls. So I called the house up and said, you know, how is everybody doing? They're doing great, she's up. She had a bite to eat. She had some tea. She's talking. So I, had to, I went over. <laughs> and sure enough, she's sitting there in a chair that I've seen her sit in many times before. She wasn't really chatty, but she was up. She had a bite to eat, a cup of tea. It was two weeks later before she finally passed. Now, I'm not sure what happened in those two weeks. God delayed the inevitable. He made her wait for her return to glory. I don't know what happened, but I trust that God was doing something. That there's some sort of healing maybe going on. Maybe a relationship. Maybe something else. God just wasn't quite ready for her. He had just a little bit more work to do, whether in her or through her. I don't know. I know she loved him. I know she had had incredible faith. I know she was ready to go home to the Lord. She knew it was her time. But in his wisdom, God gave her two more weeks. Even after she was lying in what was most certainly her deathbed, the night I first prayed for her. We don't know exactly what God is going to do. What does God want for you? What kind of healing does he have in store for you? You who love him, you who follow his son, you who are willing to lay down your life for him. What does God have in store for you? Do you need physical healing? Do you need a relationship healed? Do you need, to, do you need God to take the burden that you carry? Trust the Lord. Trust that he will bring into your life his hope his joy, his love, his healing, and that he will meet you right where you are. Believe that he is the great physician who wants you to be whole. Believe he wants to change your life for the better because he loves you. And so, what about the north side? What about these people who are around us. What do we do? How do we respond? The nation of Fiji was a terrible place. 
There's violence. There's corruption in government. There are people living in ways that could only be considered as pure evil. There's a famine because the land stopped producing food. The fish stocks and the seas plummeted. It was a terrible, terrible place to be. In their desperation, people began to cry out to God for help. They opened themselves up to what God could possibly do with this evil nation. They prayed. They repented of their evil ways. They sought to live more godly lives. They followed Jesus. Soon, there's no more corruption. There's no more evil as people turn their lives around. There's no more violence. There's no more famine because the land began to produce food once again. Fish came back to the seas. They could eat. They could work. This is well documented, this one. It is an amazing story of God's incredible transformation of of an entire nation that was considered lost and evil. So, what about the north side? What about these communities we love so much? Do we believe God has something in store for our children and for our neighbors? Do we believe that if God can heal the evil nation of Fiji, do we believe he can do something here? Do we believe this? I believe it. I believe God wants to do something miraculous in the communities of the north side. He wants to transform lives. He wants to give people back their hope. He wants to build trust. He wants to break the cycles of addiction and poverty that ravage our families. He wants to heal people both physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I believe this. And so we continue to pray for the north side. All of our communities, our neighbors, our friends. We pray for these broken communities we love so much. And we ask God to bring healing to our lives and to the lives of those who are around us, to the whole community. By the way, at the presentations last week, I, of course, found a microphone, because that's the way I am. And I told them that Carmen United is all in. Those who are there can confirm. Got some nodding over here. We are all in. We are all in to help respond to the crisis that is happening in our communities. I told them we want to be able to offer people hope and healing. I told people we want to be able to reach out and help them and pray for them. Now, maybe I shouldn't have said these things, but I did. I said it because Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. I said it because in the life of Jesus, we see him change people's lives. He brings them healing and hope and love. He goes to those who are alone and gives them something. I said these things because he told us, he says we can do far greater things than he can because he is one with us and we are one with him. In the name of Jesus, nothing is impossible. We can receive our own healing. We can help help others realize healing in their own lives. We can build trust 
We can offer hope. We can love one another. We can do all these things because we know Jesus. We know Jesus. We follow him. We are loved by him. We are healed by him. He has given us so much. And we receive so much from our God through the love of our Father. We know our Savior lives so that we may live as God's children. So we may share God's love with those who are around us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you are the healer. You sent us Jesus to show us. You also sent Jesus to tell us that we can do mighty things in his name. And Lord, we often don't realize it, but this healing starts with us. That you reach into our lives to give us hope to teach us to trust and to bring us healing from that which you would have us healed. Whatever the burden is we carry, whether physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, God, you are willing to bring us healing. And you offer this healing not just to us, but to those who are around us, to the broken, the lonely, the lost in our communities. And so, Lord, we ask that you bring your healing here to the north side. That you reach into the lives of that 85% who are struggling with alcohol, either in their lives or in someone who's close to them. To those who are lonely. To those who have lost hope to those who have lost trust. Lord, for healing to happen in our communities, it's too big. It's too much for us. But it's not too much for you. It's never too much for you. So Lord, we pray that your healing comes as only you can bring it. And Lord, may we be instruments of that healing. May your church, all churches in this town, be instruments of your healing to those who need it, including ourselves. Lord, we lift all this up to you as we seek your guidance, as we follow you, as we are loved by you, as we are healed by you. We lift all these things to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.